Hello and welcome back to They Don't Make Them Like They Used To. This is our third week on air and this is your one-stop nostalgic Friday night of the movies. We are going to be looking at the movies from the 70s, uh, well backwards because we just think that films were just way better back then. Right, we usually kick off with a movie that we pick that we think is from a chosen time period and we think illustrates our point that they just don't make them like they used to. To begin with, here's a song that features very heavily in the famous scene at the end of the movie that we've chosen this week. Hope you enjoy it, and I hope you can guess what film it is. Yes, I uh, hope you guessed the movie. I mean, the song itself is obviously famous as a World War II, great World War II song sung by Dame Vera Lynn. But the, its most famous movie use is probably in Stanley Kubrick's Dr. Strangelove or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb. So you're listening to Sunshine Radio here on the Isle of Wight or St. Mary's ra- uh, radio station. This is Tosin speaking. In the studio with me are Sean. Hello there. And Joe. How's it going? Yes, my usual cohorts helping you wade through this wonderful wealth of movie knowledge. So, guys, Dr. Strangelove, or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb, to give it its full title. What are your thoughts? Well, this is um, this is one of the top movies, I think. It's it's probably the, I think, rated the American Film Institute, about the 17th best movie or something along them lines. And I know Joe's a terrific fan and uh, just really loves it, so I'm sure he could well, give you some info. Uh, it's a comedy about global nuclear annihilation made by one of the world's most uh, fantastic filmmakers. I mean, what, what, you know... How can you go wrong? It's absolutely fantastic. And as um, as relevant today as ever, I think. I think so, yes. That's, that's the key to it. When the film finishes, you're like, whoa, and how many years later? Was it 1964? It? So all these years later, you're still going, whoa. I, I think it was very apt at the time as well because you had the um, the um, Bay of Pigs and the Missile Crisis mm-hmm. in Cuba. So it was, it was really, um, you know, apt for the time, I think. Made a lot of people think and starred so many great actors. I mean, yeah. I think Sterling Hayden, who plays one of the colonels, actually came out of retirement. He hadn't made a film for years. Oh, and wow. Kubrick managed to get Sterling Hayden, who was a bit of a maverick actor, I think. Um, but, yeah, terrific. So just show up and come out? Come out, yeah, he came out for the film. And so, so what about the film do you think makes it so um, so relevant still today? Well, it's it's satire, isn't it? And satire is always, always relevant. The, the things that you, you tend to... To use in satire go around in circles and they're never not relevant um so the things that they're basically saying you know who are these people that are deciding our fate who are these these idiots that are making all these important decisions who are they they are you know just as idiotic <laughs> now as they always were yeah, people people put a lot of uh, mistrust in politicians now and i yeah. think this is shows them up yeah, it's one of those films that just makes that that says they're supposed to know what they're doing, but really, if you look at it, they're just as dumb as dumb the as next anyone person, else. Next person oh, in the street. Just with their finger and, on but, the button. But I think you could actually um, base them on characters through through history. You know, oh, yeah. I think you could say um, it's a film where you think, oh yeah, maybe there is a a bit of a hawk of a general, and mm. you know, <laughs> some soft. Oh, we can't do this. Mm. <laughs> well, the, the, because uh, it's. Uh, I think because they probably did the way some of the characters look. You look at them and you think, "Hang on a second, these these look a bit similar." Like they have they have a German doctor who's doctor. like the 
who's like defected to America, who has crazy hair, and you're thinking, <laughs> okay, nuclear bomb, German guy, defected from Germany, now in America. Yeah. Wait a second. Yeah. But the but the film starts with this big massive disclaimer that none of these people in this film are based on anybody living. <laughs> and the US uh, says that this would never happen because yeah. of their wonderful failsafe yeah. uh, <laughs> systems. Okay, everyone sit down, calm down, it's okay. Okay, so for, <laughs> for anybody who doesn't know Dr. Strangelove, the story is essentially all about, it's set during the, the height of the Cold War, really, and it's all about a general who decides that he's had enough of these communists and he dis, and he bypasses the, the the president of the United States and sets in chain a whole bunch of nuclear war, warheads going towards Russia. And it's all about, then the rest of the film just goes into what happens and how people are trying to stop it and how they've, essentially, it makes fun of the systems that they've put in place because they essentially put a plate, they've put a, as the film develops, you start realizing that they put in place a system that is guaranteed to destroy everybody. <laughs> <laughs> a film full of irony, isn't it? MAD, <laughs> mutually assured destruction. Yeah. No, but I mean, I mean, it's it's I mean, it, it's known as a comedy, and rightly so, because it is a very very funny film with quite a dark subject, like the the total destruction of the world. But but I I mean, I was watching that. There were a couple of things. It's just kind of like, you know, the satirical thing, like there's some lines in the film that just stand out like, no fighting, gentlemen, this is the war room. (laughs) (laughs) And and you see all the food laid out behind them in that particular scene, the the endless rows of cakes and and snacks. I know it's crazy because they they have it's, it's always like. It's supposed to be in the war room, but it's almost like some sort of buffet. Yeah, that's some sure. sort of final, that's <laughs> yeah. a sort of high class um, event yeah. or function. It's crazy. <laughs> and also, I think of, and the the generals. I think it's the general played by George ah, C. Scott. George C. Scott. Yeah. Oh, he is amazing. The character's this. named General Turgidson. <laughs> Turgidson. <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's that's brilliant, isn't it? No, I mean, he is just genius in the film. He's just kind of like it, it's kind of a, he manages to fall that line where it could be hammy. But it manages not to be. It manages to just be like it's. It falls just the right side of having to be a caricature yeah. of people who you can actually think could exist. Like there's a bit where he's he's saying, "Mr. President, I promise you, no more than twenty to thirty million people killed tops." <laughs> That's <laughs> okay then. That's fine. That just cracked me yeah. up the way he said it with such a smile on his face. Like, yay, result! Only twenty to thirty million people killed. Get in, get out. Only thirty million dead. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Oh man! And also another line. Sorry, I've sorry, listeners. I've just watched this film recently in preparation for this because it's been one of those films that I've been like, I need to watch this film. People keep talking about how great it is. I need to watch it. And um, there's a line where he says, uh, he says he's talking about the Russian ambassador coming into the war room, and he's like, he would see everything. He would see the big boy. <laughs> a recurring joke when he tries to when the cameras on the, uh, the camera. He's like he was taking pictures of the big board. <laughs> It's like everything revolves around the, oh, big, the, board. the, big, the big board. The big board, yeah. <laughs> to give it its technical name, in American sort of like, you know, foreign policy, that's what it's called, the big board. Everything <laughs> that happens, happens because of the big board. And, oh, yeah. And he actually, the, it, it's the, and it's the little touches as well. Like, he has this thing on the table. He has a folder on the table that the, na- the name on the folder is, is World Targets in Megadeths. <laughs> For his protection, projection of how many people would die. But anyway, enough of me th- talking. I mean, yeah. I, I think I've heard about this film. I've recently become just such a big fan of mm. this film. It's probably my favorite Kubrick's over. Ooh, <laughs> oh, how can you pick? That's a, a tough one. Kubrick? That's a that, that's a Kubrick. Yeah, that's a tricky one. Tough call. Tough call. Comment. But that's okay. 
Yeah. We haven't mentioned Peter Sellers yet. I, I was going to oh, say, yeah. it's different roles. Yeah, I, I, didn't want, I didn't want to get on him. I wanted to let you guys take that. Uh-huh. Yeah. He was just, uh, originally, he was going to play the pilot as well, but um, they couldn't get like a Texas accent. And Peter Sellers actually broke his leg on set, so he couldn't actually play the part of the pirate. So that's when they got an old Slim Pickens. Uh, oh, yeah. Rides the thing, yeah. yeah, yeah, rides the yeah, bomb at the rides end. Rides the, the bomb with, at the end. With, and, with Vera Limp singing in the background. And Because I think also... Um, Cubic wanted a Texas draw, and mm. Sellers struggled a little bit with that, I think. Mm. But uh, yeah, Slim Pickens was ideal, and he was just—he said he walked into the room with his cowboy boots on and his cowboy hat, and he just was, Did was Slim Pickens. Yeah. <laughs> it was just like, okay, cool, that's you. You are a godsend. Yeah, but, because he, he does fit it so well. He just, does. Just yeah. that kind of gong ho attitude, and like where he takes his helmet off and puts his his hat on and all that, and it's it's just it just. I I I think there was a bit of a fuss as well because when they made the um the cockpit for the for the bomber um the the american military wouldn't give them any any details of what the cockpit was like so they actually took it off this book they found a paperback book with a photograph of a pilot and from there they made the cockpit of the aircraft mm. amazing really <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I think one of the things i absolutely love about the film is is a lot of scenes it just looks like you're watching people sat around being incompetent yeah. sure yeah. yeah and it's and it's just it's just so very weird. much like the news <laughs> or, or BBC Parliament, if anyone's ever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> actually, I've got a. It does remind me of that yeah. because there's the bit where they sat down there and they're going, "Yes, um, the bombers are going towards Moscow," and with you just have this sense that with each passing second as they're sat down there, a nuclear bomb is about to be dropped, but they're still sort of like arguing over who wrote that, who made that policy. <laughs> it's like, come on, <laughs> get on like, with it. And it becomes an incredibly tense movie because these people are just sat around chatting when. There's a bomb about to be yeah, dropped. It's infuriating. It is. It, it, yeah, good. And the call between the president and the Russian premier. Yeah. Oh, good lord! It is. It's like no, Dmitry, Dmitry, yeah? Dmitry. <laughs> Dmitry. No, no. Of course, I want to talk to you, Dmitry. Yeah. Yes, I will call you another time. Yes, I'm calling. You another, it, it sounds like you know a hempecked husband. Yeah. Yeah. So Peter Sellers is just genius. <laughs> yeah. Wow, it's very telling about political uh, alliances, isn't it? It is really. Who's yeah. in charge and who's who's yeah. trying to please who? Yeah. So, uh, have we got anything else to say on that? I think... Uh, well, I'd, I'd like to just say that Peter Sellers actually made a million, million dollars for, for that. He was paid a million. A million? Which at wow. that time was... was well, because was that, was, that was, what was... that What film was... What year was this? It was 60... 64. 64. Mm. Yeah. That's so, a lot of money back But he, he did play three roles. I think yeah. Kubrick actually said he got uh, six... Uh, Three roles for the price of six, I think he said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, also, it was all filmed in, filmed in Britain, wasn't it? Which was... Um, yeah, that was Kubrick style, wasn't so, it? Kubrick style, yeah. yeah. And uh, I think apparently the the war room was um, actually thirty foot high because when people came in on the set, they were like, "Whoa!" <laughs> so yeah. it is an it is an iconic set, it, though, isn't it? It, it is yeah. really, yeah. That, that war room—it's like a poker table with the yeah. everybody all sat round. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. uh, you know, I think also Kubrick was quite an Anglophile because oh yeah, he has this whole thing where I was watching, I was realizing that all the idiots in the film are American. And the only one voice of reason on the Allied side is an English guy, Go once ahead. again, played Pilot. by Peter Sellers. Peter Sellers, yeah. Going, no, no, for goodness sake, we can't do this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and the Coca-Cola line. Okay, we've got to stop. We've yeah, got to yeah, 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 yeah. Also, gotta... James L. Jones' first oh, film. Oh, yeah, first film. Yeah, first yeah, ever appearance. Darth Vader's first film appearance. Oh, I'm thinking maybe we need to have an hour where we just talk about this film. Yes. Help me, yeah. Anyway, anyway, Joe, have you got any clues for us this week? I have indeed. Right. Oh, okay, cool. Um, okay, um, let me just... Ex- uh, yeah, go on. Let me just explain it. So, uh, so 
Every week, what happens is Joe comes up with a couple of clues, which we will spread out over the show, and at the end, he's going to reveal who these clues point to. And we and you over there in the hospital are going to try and guess who he is he's talking about, who these, who or what these clues point to. So with that, Joe, would you give us your first clue today, please? Right, hopefully it's not too tricky, but there are only six actors in history that have achieved this. Uh, Paul Mooney, uh, Lawrence Tibbet, Alan Arkin, James Dean, and Montgor- Montgomery Clift. Those are five of them. They received an Oscar nomination for Best Actor for their first ever screen appearance. Who was the sixth? Ooh. So Paul Mooney, Lawrence Tibbet, Alan Arkin, James Dean, and Montgomery Clift all received a Best Actor nomination uh, at the Oscars on their first ever screen appearance. Who was the sixth? Oh, good one. Good, good one. nice, intriguing start. Mm. Okay, so um, we will continue with the other clues later. But as I said earlier, we were finally, finally allowed back in the hospital this week to come speak to you good people in there. And um, as I was walking around, as I was walking around, I was meeting a couple of people and I bumped into Jill, who was on her way to a physiotherapy appointment. And I spoke to her and her husband and her husband, I think, slightly missed the point of our program. This is what he said. When I was about... Must have been 12. My mum took me to the pictures to see Anne Frank's diary. And it must have been one of the boringest films at that age I've ever seen. And it turned me off the pictures forever. <laughs> yes, yes, so that's it. I mean, uh, I, would love, I would love it if we could have, like, you know, a call in and see what films, if you had seen, if this was the first film that you had seen in the cinema, would have put you off going to the cinema forever. Ruined the movies forever. It would just have ruined the movies forever. So you guys think about that, and then we're going to play oh, Jill, who actually gosh. told us about um, her film. But actually, as we're, as we're going around the, as I was going around the hospital, a theme just kept uh, um, appeared more than once. So I'm going to play two interviews now, one with Jill, who was in for a physiotherapy appointment um, on her knee, and another one from Peter, who was in the cardiac, oh, he was in the Whippingham ward. Yeah, and um, um, I'm just going to talk about uh, they were talking about Saturday morning serials, going to Saturday morning serials, and that being the first time they ever went to the cinema. So here's Jill and Peter. Ranger, we used to go to the cinema for sixpence. Well, if you were very rich, you could go upstairs and it cost you ninepence. <laughs> but the kids upstairs used to throw marbles down at us, so you had to sit, you had to sit underneath. Because it was like two tiering those So we'll sit on, underneath the overhang. Yeah, that's it, yeah. That's it. You have to sit well back so that you didn't get things thrown at you. <laughs> so, so was this like a Saturday morning? Saturday sort of, morning, yeah. Were they movies or were they just like um, shorts? Uh, no, it was a proper film. And then you'd get the um, the news, the Pathé news, I remember that. And I also I remember the kids used to collect uh, milk bottle tops for the, I don't know what they did for the blind people. And the man, there was hundreds of kids, and the man used to stand up and say how many he'd collected that week. And all the kids used to throw popcorn at him and he was ducking out of the way. <laughs> I remember it to this day. He was so brave. He was all in a suit and tie. and Yeah, so that, yeah, good memories, really. He used to go every Saturday. <laughs> So, so that was the Lone Ranger, and um, yeah, the Lone Ranger. I remember that. Yeah, is there really... anything particular you remember about the Lone Ranger that stayed with you after you left? Well, the horses. I love the horses, and still do. I still like horses. I think that's why I like westerns and that really is for the horses. Yeah, no, no sort of gunslinging. No one ever got killed in those days. <laughs> <laughs> 
But I guess not for the kids thing. You couldn't have kids thing and have somebody just sort of dying with blood. Yeah, right? no, it was none of that. It was all, everyone, were good, everyone was goodies in those days. <laughs> First time I went to the cinema was on Saturday morning. At sixpence to watch Wild Bill Cody in a serial at the Queen's Cinema in Sandown. Yes, it was quite exciting then. Oh, with his big stats and big white stats and a black shirt. It was, yes, very exciting. After all the bandits and. Because westerns were a big thing then, you see. That was not like today, you know. All these modern westerns today. All they want to do is shoot each other up. Then, then they were just after the bad guys. Uh, <laughs> yes, it was very good. Every Saturday you followed it up until at the end of the movie, you know. It used to last for about eight weeks, one film. Yes, it used to be about six of us all together, used to go together. And that was it, that was every Saturday morning. We used to queue up, sixpence. And sixpence was a lot of money then. <laughs> but we used to manage to scrounge it very much. with a speed of light, a cloud of dust, and a hearty high silver The Lone Ranger. Yes, so that was it, talking about Saturday morning cereals. And now, Sean, I figured that when I was when they were speaking, I was like, just sort of had a smile on my face. Because over the last couple of weeks, you have been championing the Western, and they almost, I think, I feel like they were plants. In the <laughs> because I, I go in there, and one of them really starts saying, oh, white hat, black hat, and all that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah, nobody ever got died. Nobody ever. And I was like, this is like you all over. So... Did you go see one of these serials? Like, um, I was um, um, I was a little bit too young to see the um, serials, but uh, <laughs> um, I remember um, uh, sort of Saturday morning when they was on the TV and they would they would show some serials, Tars and Flash Gordon, and I, I they all in episodes. So people of um, the the speakers' generation, they would have all seen um, one episode, and so they would have to go back next week. Um, but yeah, lots of westerns, um, and I remember my my father telling me exactly the same. He said, "Oh yeah, Saturday mornings it was great. We used to go. Same thing, popcorn. Because in those days, the cinemas, most of them had a balcony, and um, or circle, I think they used to call it. So it was actually like a theatre nowadays. Like a theatre like, nowadays, yeah. yeah. I don't think there's uh, apart from maybe a few in London that, that that have a circle anymore. And it was a little bit more expensive to go up there, but of course." ideal for for throwing the popcorn and other things and saying oh he said so um yeah it was it was uh, must have been a great time really and and they were quite well subscribed i think they used to have a, my father was saying he used to go and watch a thing i think it was called the astoria cinema or something and he said you'd have to queue up on a saturday morning to to actually get in because it was so popular because it was kind of like saturday mornings is like you know real kids time kids, kids owned time. the cinema That's, the time. yeah 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 um but but when i was younger oh, Every Christmas, they would they would show um, Flash Gordon, Buck Rogers, Tarzan films. Tarzan films were particularly um, uh, big, I think, at the time. And again, going back to my dad, and he he said to me because I 
recently been having a few chats, he said, oh, there's this film, Sean, I remember. Um, Tarzan the Green Goddess, but I can't find out anything about it because mm. he, he doesn't really use computers. So I did a bit of research for him and um, it turned out it was an actual serial. It was a serial that had... Uh, so it wasn't actually a film. It was a serial. It had been made into a film yeah. for, from the serial, but that was the one. that's the one he really remembers. Tarzan the Green Goddess. Oh, yeah, I remember that because he was a big, big Tarzan fan. Yeah. Oh, it, it's. I mean, it's not that big a thing because they were talking there. I mean, Peter was talking about how he had to save up money yeah. to actually go, and it was like sixpence. But six that was pence. like a lot of money in those days, and it was like a real big thing that people would save money to go go to. And I was trying to figure out why on earth this stopped, or what 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 proved the death of these serials. And I think it was probably the advent of TV. TV, yeah. I think TV was the. Um because kids could actually have their breakfast <laughs> and watch TV or stay, stay in... No, I don't suppose they had that many TVs then, but, yeah, I think... You have to go I to think, the front room. Yeah, front room. I guess uh, they could stay in their pyjamas or whatever and watch, you know, watch watch TV. Um, and I think even today they sort of have serials. And I, th- I should imagine that um, uh, Joe's a big fan of Doctor Who and oh. they were... I, I know they were on a bit later, but... You could imagine those, perhaps in the earlier days, Doctor would've, Who would have been, been, yeah. Well, the irony is I had to wait 50 years to see one of those in the cinema. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't done anything to see them on the pictures. Yeah, yeah but as even, even the idea, I mean, it, it just <clears throat> seems so It seems so weird nowadays that you would have, we'll, we'll give you like 20 minutes of it this week and you have to come back next week, pay another sixpence to watch the second half. Yeah. And they'll stretch that out over eight weeks. Yep. And that's essentially the model that they've moved across to TV nowadays, yeah, especially sure. in America, where yeah. they say, we're going to show you an hour this week, and you have to come back every week for the next six months yeah. Yeah. so that you can actually watch this thing. Yeah. And uh, the other thing about it that gets me is if you look at the way he was talking about throwing the popcorn and everything like that, that there's a man who's trying to speak, and all the kids are being, <laughs> being like little rascals yeah. and throwing popcorn at the guys. He's trying to do his job. I think that that's, with, with TV, it looks like that's what they just moved to Saturday morning TV because mm. you look at most Saturday morning TV shows and it's the same thing they yell at the presenter there's one of them where they regularly just slime whoever yeah. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they just gunge the gunge the presenters or gunge, gunge the guests and I think that it's so the spirit of that Saturday morning serial go to the cinema thing is still alive and well only just on TV but TV but then I shouldn't think there'd be the crowds would there there might be be one or two kids so I mean all that that fun of the big crowds because mm. it must have been great you would you could have met up with mates yeah, and, people that and been at school do stuff afterwards and maybe yeah. try and sneak in and <laughs> all sorts of things um. I know I know someone was saying that they used to try and one person would pay sixpence to, or, or one person would pay to go in and yeah. then they they try to go to the fire exit and let their mates in but yeah. of course they'd always get that was good. <laughs> <laughs> your neck, mate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But now, this is making me really, really wish that someone would build a time machine sometime soon. I was going to say, unfortunately, I'm far too young as well to, <laughs> to, to remember those days, but I would have loved to have, uh, to have experienced it. I really would. Yeah. I have to type it into YouTube and watch these things yeah, on a tiny yeah. little computer screen. Well, it's not well, fair. Well, growing up, as I say, at Christmas, always um, Saturday morning on TV, they used to have the Flash Gordon serials, yeah. and that would be like through the week. So it'd be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and um, you know you had those funny ships going <laughs> wobbling about. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think that was a really expensive one to make. Actually, Flash Gordon, iconic. Strange, uh, strange thing I discovered. Uh, I used to live in China, and uh, you try getting a copy of 1984 anywhere, you'll you struggle. <laughs> but you try looking for Flash Gordon's trip to Mars. <laughs> they're everywhere, absolutely everywhere. All, all the old serials. Flash Gordon conquers the universe. I think those were the two that I I first found just on a street corner in China. That was a few years back. So they're they're alive and thriving on the other side of the world still. 
the, the funny thing I find about them is that, like, for instance, they mentioned the Lone Ranger. And even with the Lone Ranger, you watch the old ones and they just seem brilliant and they seem classic and they seem like they work. But when they just made a remake, a big budget, bring everything up to date, remake of the Lone Ranger, and it just doesn't have the same magic. No. The effects are better, the cameras are better, the, the film craft is better, but that but the older one is still better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you actually seen the new Lone Ranger? No, no, I haven't. No, 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 I haven't. I've, no. I've, seen, I've seen bits of it, but I haven't yeah. seen the whole film. Yeah, it's 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 not the same, but um, I, I quite enjoyed it, actually. Would you have enjoyed it more if it had been broken up into 12 parts? <laughs> <laughs> Go back, five quid every week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, so, oh, that's cool. Joe, have you got a second clue for us? Okay, yes. Right, uh, okay. So, we know that he's uh, one of six uh, stars to have ever been nominated for Best Actor on their first ever screen appearance. Uh, this particular cinematic god uh, was actually um, f- actually ver- tried very hard to get the role of Don Corleone in the Godfather film. Oh. He tried very hard. He actually uh, lobbied for the part and um, was very, very close to getting it. Uh, well, unfortunately, he obviously lost out to Marlon Brando. Or fortunately, he lost out to Marlon Brando. But uh, yeah, he would have been the next one if Marlon Brando had said no. Ooh, oh, yeah, it's Lord. tough, man. That, this, it's now, tough. This, this is tickling something way in the back of my mind that's going to annoy me until you give me the answer. <laughs> answer. Uh, oh, okay. Anyway, so, okay, that's good. Thank you. This is a good one this week, Joe. Really good one. <laughs> yeah, it's a tough one. <laughs> but well, we're going to move on. And what we do is uh, every week we told you a film that we picked, and but we also want other people to pick films. So, um, while I was in the hospital yesterday, I met up with Janine. She was very particular about that. She said it's not Janine, it's Janine in the cardiac um, ward. And she was talking about film. But before we play her, I mean, Joe, favorite film? Of all time? Yeah. Oh, my goodness me. That's, you put me on the spot there. Favorite <laughs> film of all time? Oh, um, possibly Rear Window? Rear Window? Possibly Rear Window. Okay, okay. It's... Uh- Okay, and mine, I, I, I know mine because I've thought about this for years and every every time I think, oh, what would be the top 10 films? This one always comes up first. And it is a Western, um, Sam Peckinpah Western, 1968, and it's The Wild Bunch. Okay. And I just, it's just such a good movie. So, so that, is, that is actually my favourite film. Okay, so Western and we also have, we have, you're, you're, you're going for Hitchcock. P- possibly Rear Window, don't hold me on that, okay. uh, don't hold me to that, but possibly Rear Window. I guess with these sort of things, they change each week. Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that, that's what I said about um, every time when someone says, what's your top movies? Yeah. I always think Wild Bunch always yeah. comes to mind first, so yeah. I figure that's got to be the top movie. Okay, cool. And so now let's hear what Janine's favourite film is. Oh, I know one, um, Calamity Jane. She was good in that one, you know. And uh, I liked all the singing. And uh, she originally was a dancer. And she hurt her leg. And then she turned into a singer. And now she's, uh, well, I think she lives right out in the sticks or something with all her dogs. You know, she's got a lot of dogs she looks after. uh, Calamity Jane's quite a lively thing, you know. She was dressed up more like a man, you know. But, uh, she used to sing Whip Crack Away. Whip Crack Away? Yeah, Whip Crack Away, Whip Crack Away. <laughs> I like that one. Oh, the Deadwood stages are rolling on over the plains. With the curtains flapping and the driver is slapping the reins. A beautiful sky. 
Yes, Doris Day. I'm going to get the first word in here. I think that woman is the human equivalent of a ray of sunshine. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, sorry, I think I called it Jane earlier. It's actually Janine. Janine. And she was talking about Doris Day movies in general. Calamity Jane is just the first one she could remember. So we're going to talk about Doris Day movies in general. And just Doris Day, the legend, who is Doris Day herself. So, guys, Doris Day. Okay, well, that's... Um, uh, as Doris Day films go, Calamity Jane is one of my favourites, um, and that 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 song at the start there said it all. Um, and and the the lady there, Janine, was it Janine? Yeah. Jan, um, Janine. Janine. If you're listening, Janine. Apologies, Janine. <laughs> if you're listening, Janine, we got it right. <laughs> hey, Janine. <laughs> and um, yeah, so and and she nailed it when she said she was like a, a tomboy. She was you know all cowboyfied, and of course she she's got a bit of a thing for Wild Bill there. Mm-hmm. So. Um, you know, she has to sort of try and become a lady, which she <laughs> finds particularly difficult. But um, yeah, I think um, Joe's. Is she, is, has Doris Day been in a Hitchcock movie? She has. She's been in uh, one of my favourites, not my favourite, but one of my favourites, uh, The Man Who Knew Too Much. How did I knew this was going to come up? Well, it's Hitchcock. It's, it's got to come up. It's not a show about film unless Hitchcock's in there somewhere. Uh, yeah, probably the, the Man Who Knew Too Much is my favourite of hers. Possibly that touch of mink with Kerry oh, Grant, touch of mink, yeah. mm. which was 1962. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I had to say a favourite, it'd be The Man Who Knew Too Much from 1956. Uh, absolutely fantastic thriller, um, wonderful score. She's brilliant in it. She plays Jimmy Stewart's uh, wife, and obviously they have the whole the whole plot to steal the the kids, and, mm. and, the, and there's that fantastic climax in the Royal Albert Hall, and just a fantastic I, thriller. I, I, I think with Doris Day though, she was just. Uh, I, I think you said it, Tozin. Was um, she was just a, a ray of sunshine in a lot of her movies, um, mm-hmm. and it's, it's, I guess it was with a lot of her films. It was the sort of the feel-good factor, you yeah. know, one or two yeah. serious roles, but um, and uh, great voice, great yeah. voice as well. No, she was just the thing is that she. I, don't, I think nobody could do playful quite like her. No, that's it. Nobody. I don't think. I don't think I've ever seen anybody who could do playful quite like her, no. or anybody who. I look at it and I just think, yeah, that's a human. If a ray of sunshine was made into a human being, that would be it. That would be it. Yeah. And I don't think that there's anybody who's come close to it because I'm thinking like uh, even the beginning of Calamity Jane, the the when she's on the bastard the stagecoach and some of the face facial expressions she's pulling and everything is like totally, like she's what's the word? She's like totally not self conscious. Not self conscious. She's totally not self conscious. It's just all about okay, look, this is gonna give you a good time. This is gonna be great. I'm gonna pull a face here. I'm gonna go like I'm gonna <laughs> slap my knee there. And, uh, good old uh, panto stuff. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And it's and, and the, the thing is, she's a kind of woman that I, if the film could be rubbish, but I would watch her. You'd watch her. Yeah, <laughs> that's 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 excellent. I I mean, I quite like those. Again, we're going back to westerns. I quite like those um, uh, western musicals. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, there's a, there's another film, Annie Get Your Gun with with Betty Hutton, which I think is Betty Hutton. Um, anyway, really liked, but yeah, not a, not a patch on Doris Day. Mm. You know, she just had that that terrific, just yeah. all apple pie persona about her. Okay, so we've we've heard um we've heard Joe's favorite Doris Day movie, which is obviously a Hitchcock man. Yeah. <laughs> 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 anyway, Sean, what's yours? 
Um, what Doris Day movie? Yeah. Oh, obviously Calamity Jane. Okay, that's Calamity a, that's, Jane. that's 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 the, the yeah definitely. I mean, I was really pleased. I don't know if you saw the big smile come I up on my face smile, when yeah. Janine um, started to say, "Oh yeah, I remember Calamity Jane." I was thinking, "Oh yeah, good call, <laughs> great shot, well done." <laughs> yeah, because I, I think the first one I actually ever saw was Pillow Talk. Pillow Talk. Mm, oh, with, Rock yeah. Hudson. Yeah. Talk. Rock with Hudson. Yeah. Yeah. Doris Day and Rock Hudson, and I was. I'd, I'd, I just remember looking and going, "Wow, this is cool!" Because she doesn't even sing in that one. No, no, she didn't sing in all her movies, yeah. did she? She did, but still, at the same time, you still had that thing of, "Okay, this is just an amazing thing I'm watching here. Amazing, amazing performer that I'm watching here." Exactly. Yeah. So, um, I kind of figured that if we're going to talk about Doris Day, Hitchcock was going to come up, and so because we just can't get enough of Doris, because we can't get enough of Doris, we are going to play one more song from her which is also famous from, well, it's probably about the only person singing in a Hitchcock movie. I know he got a lot of grief about this, this song being in there and people tried yeah. to cut it out. They were like, what's the song doing in here? Makes what no a lovely sense. scene. She sat there with her kids on the piano, having yeah. a family sing along. It's just so lovely. Yeah, and then they bring it back again when the kid is like, you know, to figure out the kid's in the house and all that kind of stuff. It's adorable. So anyway, if you haven't um, figured out what song we're talking about, we're just going to shut up and play it right now. When I was young, Doris Day, Kesera, Sera. Oh, that woman. <laughs> Terrific. Yeah, I know. I know. Anyway, <laughs> anyway. Yes, I'm just sitting here having a crush on a woman who's old enough to be my grandma. <laughs> <laughs> but never mind, eh? <laughs> so, um, Joe, I was going to ask you third clue. Hmm. Okay, I'm going to just uh, let the uh, the man himself do the talking here. A quote from this particular screen legend. It goes like this: I started at the top, and worked down. When talking about his career, he said, "I started at the top, and worked down." Hmm. You may agree or disagree with that particular quote, but you can see the man's thinking. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, if he was nominated for an Oscar in his first movie. I know, that's the one. Yeah, but... I feel I should know it, you know? I feel I should know it. Uh, I'm, I'm sure I do know it, especially, yeah, with, especially with the idea that, that he's a person who chased after the role of Don Corleone. Mm. <laughs> ah. Okay, he's old. I'm going mm. <laughs> to go with that. All right. Oh, okay. Anyway, before I get all carried away and just sort of sit here thinking for the next 20 minutes... Um, we have a, another thing called exception to the rule because the show obviously is called They Don't Make Them Like They Used To. And every week, Sean's going to pick a movie that was made after the 70s that we say might be made after the 70s, but still it is good enough to be mentioned in the same breath as your Calamity Jane, as like, you know, things like that. So, Sean, what is it this week? Okay, well, this week, because, I mean, it's, it's quite apt really because we've talked about um, Dr. Strangelove. Um, and it's a really modern film. It's out... Um, last year um tinker tailor soldier spy the, mm. the, the brand new remake yeah. um because obviously during the strange love time 64 65 you had the ipcrest file and terrific movie we're on richard burton again richard burton impressions <laughs> yeah richard, richard burton richard burton has come up a couple of times yeah. um he was in a terrific terrific film the spy who came in from the cold real black and white gave that that real dark cold war era mm -hmm. and and this new film which takes place in the 70s and uh it's got 70s cards they all smoke which was most socially acceptable those days so 
and um, uh, terrific screenplay, some great actors, Gary Oldman, who, who I think is an amazing actor. Mm. Um, it, and it just really, really reminded me, it totally, when I saw it at the cinema recently, just totally reminded me of that era. Mm. You know, everything was just like and the, it was even period, filmed in not yeah it yeah. wasn't even it, and it wasn't like glorious color as well it was that sort of washed out effect which um you know it was uh it just gave a real atmosphere and it's a terrific movie to watch and i, I seriously if you're into cold war movies you yeah. know it's, it's don't expect action like born or, or bond but um just really really full of suspense yeah it's so, it seemed a bit like uh, I know you were saying with the Ipcrest file of films like that that were made around them, but there was seemed to, there was certain group of films that were made almost in response to the whole James Bond stuff. For sure, it's all about glamour and gadgets and girls and all that. Mm. Oh, good alliteration! Like, well, <laughs> glamour, glamour, gadgets, gadgets and gadgets girls. Yeah, if only I was in the 1960s, I could have worked as a James Bond poster guy. Yeah. <laughs> He's got glamour. He's got gadgets. <laughs> He's got girls. <laughs> <laughs> and so and. So you had films like this that seemed to be made as as a response to it. So you had like, you know, Michael Caine as Harry Michael Palmer Kane. and he Terrific. he was kind of like, you know, yeah, he's a spy, but the spy work is boring. Yeah. He's just kind of he's like a working stiff. That's it. That's for sure, yeah. <laughs> and and in Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy, you have that thing where you have all these spies and these guys are the ones at the top of the organization and none of them look particularly glamorous. Glamorous, that's it, exactly. It seems, I think there's something about them all having ulcers or something just because <laughs> the work that they have is just so stressful. Stressful, I mean, yeah. So, which I think, who the heck would want to be a spy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's um, that's it, really. Um, I think, just going back to the Ipcrest file, I, I think um, the opening shot where the titles are coming out is just Michael Caine making a making a a cup of coffee you yeah. know like coming up just in the <laughs> yeah. dressing room really dressed down you know there's another like dicky bow tie and yeah. you know it's not uh, Roger Moore jumping off it's the not cliff Roger with the Union Jack <laughs> but, uh... you know what a start to a film all the James Bond film normally yeah. start off with some action you know do, do, do. and girls. this just like, like kettle boiling make yeah. a cup of coffee <laughs> stir around it's, yeah but the funny thing is with this film with the new one the Tinker Taylor so just I, I was actually kind of on the set for the film Really? Yeah, because oh, wow. because bits of the film was were filmed at the university I went to. So How cool is so that? One day we showed up and everybody there was this big opera and there was it was going all up on Twitter and people were like, "Oh my God, Colin Firth is here! Colin Firth is here!" <laughs> because it was right after he won the Oscar for the King's Speech. Ah, oh, yeah, yeah. And so people were like, ah! and they took over the physics building. And so when we're watching the film, there's this scene where they go to the American Embassy. Uh-huh. That's actually in the physics building of Imperial College of London. And wow. so all of us are watching and going, "What?" The- yeah. No, <laughs> and then one day because it was a bit of it was filmed right beside the Royal Albert Hall, and we are actually um, uh, our university was right beside is right beside the Royal Albert Hall. So we're in this room. We look out of the window, and all the cars on the ch- on the road have been changed. Wow! To like you know some yeah, yeah. Cold War era cars, and sure. there's a there's a phone box that Tom Hardy makes a phone call from in the film, and they just brought that and plunked it on the corner, <laughs> and we were like, "What's that phone box doing?" What the heck's going and so and, and there's this one scene i remember vividly in the film or one shot rather it's of tom hardy and gary oldman walking away from the camera walking towards a building and that building is like the halls of residence of some students at the royal college of music wow. and I'm just kind of like, ah! <laughs> i'll have to keep we'll have to watch it together yeah, and you'll have to point the windows yeah point point it i go yeah yeah i know don't worry if you guys ever want to go to london i can be your tour around the 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 
the locations that were used for five minutes of Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Wow. <laughs> we'll have to do that one day. <laughs> That's a day. Tickets are going quick. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, so Joe, you haven't said much about this. Do you have anything to say about it? Or? Uh, I, I just think it's very refreshing. Like like most of the things in England uh, at that time, British cinema at that time, it was, it was a refreshing change uh, to what was going on mm-hmm. uh, around the rest of the world, uh, really, and, and shows in, in throughout the different genres. Whatever film you pick up from that era, it's got that, that we mm. do things differently here feeling to it. <laughs> That's right. And I, I, I'm sure Hitchcock must have done a few Cold War Type movies, Hitchcock. did he? Oh, it's not, I quite like Hitchcock, actually. I know, I know. You must not get that in again. Yeah, is it North by films, Northwest? North is that a spy North film? West. Yeah, The 39 Steps, Espionage. The 39 Steps, yeah. Wow, fantastic film. Yeah, yeah but the, yeah. Even, even the original The Man Who Knew Too Much. The yeah. Man Who Knew Too Much. Yeah. Yes, he, he made that in, the, in, in England before he went over to America and then he remade it when he had more money. Yeah, yeah. and he could afford Doris Day. And, <laughs> and, and colour. And colour. And <laughs> yes, yes. Excellent, excellent. Okay, um, right. So, from for Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, I think this film is so... It's so drama. I'm not sure, I'm not sure even it even has any music in it because mm. I couldn't find any. <laughs> so, but the before this film was made, there was a very, very famous TV series made of the book. Like oh. I think it was a seven-part series. Made in um, the 70s, starring Alec Guinness, Sir Alec Guinness. Sir Alec Guinness. Yeah, the late Sir Alec Guinness as the um, the lead character, George Smiley. And this is the end credits from that TV show. Those were the end credits to Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy from the 1979 BBC television miniseries. So, the moment of truth has come. Joe, it is time for your final clue or clues. Right. We're just going to keep you here until we get it right. Just keep giving you information about (laughs) this guy until you get it. His first name was. Right. Okay. This particular cinematic legend was played. He was actually played by Vincent D'Onofrio twice. Oh. I'm not going to tell you the name of one of those films, but he was played by Vincent D'Onofrio in Tim Burton's Ed Wood. And the other film he was played by Tim Burton would, and... would give the, the the name away if I if I said the name of the other film that he. Yeah. Does it have Does it have red in the title? Um. Yes. Yeah. Yep. I, think, I think it does. I think yeah. It okay. Does. I think I got it. I think I got it. I think I might have it. I, I don't know. I think I got it. So, so uh, this particular screen legend was yes, played by yes, Vincent Yes, I definitely got it. Everything, everything makes sense now. In Tim Burton's Edward. Have you got it out there in the hospital? Come on, it's so cool. It's so cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. So oh, maybe I haven't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. I've. I, I reckon I've got it. Yeah. I, I'll throw another bit of trivia in if it helps. Yeah. Uh, Frank Sinatra was the godfather of this screen legend's daughter. I got it. I got it. I'm, I'm definite I've got it. You've got it, have you? Well okay. done, you. I, I've, 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 I've not. Okay, um, how, how should we do this? Sean, you, do you want you want to have a guess? I can have a guess if you like. Um, because I've I'm, just, I'm pretty sure that my guess is right. Is it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, okay. Uh, I can give you date of birth and date of death. Possibly. Go on then, that'll do. <laughs> that, yeah, give us, that help? Yeah, try ahead, that one ahead. more time. Okay, I can born... give you his final film appearance. Edward, I'm trying ah, to think of Edward. Uh, born in 1915. Right. Died in 
you can feel the tension in the yeah, hospital. Yeah, you can. No, no, the no. I, I, I think you've... Um, I bet you there's people in the beds just sort of sitting out there yelling, <laughs> yelling, we, yelling. We need tense music, don't we? We need some tense music in the We background. do need some ooh, ooh, tense music. Ooh, ooh. Who, was he, who was he played by again in Edward? Uh, in Edward, Vincent D'Onofrio. Vincent D'Onofrio. Let's, let's see what we can do about tense music. Okay, okay. How about that? How the West was won. He wasn't in that. No, he wasn't in that. What? 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 Give me the year again of his birth. 1915. He was born in 1915. 1915. 1915. Okay, he died cool. in 85. We're gonna have to go. I don't know. We're gonna have to go for. But I don't know. 30 seconds. Bella Lugosi. Bella Lugosi. Okay. Okay. He, well, I don't think he was around that time. All right. It's or, not Bella Lugosi. No, I didn't think. It I would think. Be. I think. I'm pretty sure it's Orson Welles. Orson Welles. I'm pretty sure it's Orson Welles. Oh. The answer is Orson Welles. Yes! Well, hey. <laughs> nice to get well it. Done. What, well was done. it what was it that gave it away? What did you get it from? Oh, um, the. <clears throat> I think it was the final one you gave. What was the final clue again? Vincent D'Onofrio in uh, Edward. Yeah, that was it. Yeah. That was it because I know Vincent D'Onofrio played him in a. He played him in a, a play. Uh, he played him in a film that was about all these people on a boat that Orson Welles had invited everybody onto. That's the boat. right, and then yeah. it's actually called something Mr. Wells. So I didn't want to tell you the name yeah. of that film because that would have given it away. Yeah, because the thing is, I, I, and I, I, once you said that, I was like, yes, Vincent D'Onofrio, because yeah. Vincent D'Onofrio is actually one of these. He's one of these actors whose career I kind of follow. <laughs> I kind of follow, so I, I know a little bit about what the films he's been in, especially ever since he played a cockroach in Men in Black. That's right. <laughs> so, That's right. So. Because